What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. I'm Juanita Tolliver, and this is a special bonus episode of What A Day. I am beyond excited, elated even, to be able to take a moment to celebrate and commemorate the birthday and the legacy of the petite phenom, Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman elected to Congress and the first woman to seek a major party nomination for president. You may have heard a preview of our interview on November 30th, Shirley Chisholm's actual birthday, but we wanted to share more of the special conversation I had with three incredible black women who were guided by her, touched by her, and who explored her powerful mystique. Joining me for this discussion about Shirley Chisholm's legacy and her humanity are Congresswoman Barbara Lee of California, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, and Dr. Anastasia Kerwood, Professor of History and Director of African American and Africana Studies at the University of Kentucky and author of the forthcoming Shirley Chisholm biography, Shirley Chisholm, Champion of Black Feminist Power Politics. How did Shirley Chisholm come into your life? Dr. Kerwood, why don't you kick us off? I saw a picture of her with my parents. My parents worked on the campaign in Massachusetts, and I saw this well-dressed black woman sitting with them. And I, I thought she was my Auntie Sally, because my Auntie Sally kind of had the same, <laughs> same aesthetic. And my parents corrected me. They said, nope, that's Shirley Chisholm. She ran for president, and one day you could too. I, I was president of Black Student Union at Mills College in Oakland, California but I was also a community worker with the Black Panther Party, so I was very conscious of politics. So as president of Black Student Union, though, I invited Shirley Chisholm to come to the campus to speak to the Black Student Union and to the student body in general. And in her speech, she said she was running for president. And, you know, I did not know that because the press hadn't really covered her campaign. So I told her afterwards, I had this class, and I loved her. What she had to say, she spoke fluent Spanish. She stood up for immigrant rights. She was against the Vietnam War. She was an early childhood educator. I mean, she was really a very progressive black woman, reproductive rights, the whole nine yards. And she took me to task. Uh, she said, asked me if I was registered to vote. I said, no. Why? <laughs> and she, you know, she's a little girl. Now I was in my 20s. I was a returning student. She still called me little girl. Wait, she literally the, said little girl. Up until the day she passed away or the month she passed away. Yeah. And there's a video of her when I was uh, elected to the state Senate where she called me little girl. I remember when I was walking down the street of Oakland and this little girl, I don't know why I call her little girl because I'm very small, but this little girl, she was about 17 or 18 at the time. And she had her nice little afro, her nice little round face. So then I asked her about her campaign, told her I had this class I was about to flunk. But now that I met her and knew she was running for president, I tried to pass the class. So, of course, again, told me register to vote. And she said she didn't have a lot of money for a national campaign. So she was leaving it up to her local organizers. 
she says, but look, <laughs> you, if you believe in making systemic change and if you believe in changing the rules of the game, she said, because you can't stay on the outside, you've got to get on the inside. Right. Remember, those rules weren't made for you or I, so you've got to help change the rules of the game. I love that. What about you, Representative Presley? A parent is a child's first teacher, and I had an extraordinary one in my uh, mother. May she rest in power. And, um, you know, she never read me childhood bedtime stories of princes saving me. Uh, instead, she read me uh, the speeches and the words of Barbara Jordan and Shirley Chisholm. Come on, Mama Presley, wow. yes. I wish I'd put that in the book. <laughs> and, um, you know, in fact, when my mother was in the final throes of her, um, her leukemia uh, battle, unbeknownst to me until she had transitioned, I did not know she had been putting together a book for me. And the final tab is, is for inspiration. And it's printed uh, speeches of Shirley Chisholm's. Oh and the gosh. first one is her, um, her campaign announcement. So yes. she is, has figured uh, very prominently and consistently uh, in my consciousness. And that was, uh, because of my mother. Mm. I love that so much. And speaking of the power of Shirley Chisholm's words, we got a couple of clips that I want y'all to react to. The first one is for you, Representative Presley. Now, I realize that this is a rough road, but a catalyst for change in a society is usually persona non grata with those who have been the beneficiaries of the system. A catalyst for change has to be able to withstand the insults, the humiliations, the abuses, and the slurs. So Representative Presley, it's no secret that you were targeted and harassed on multiple occasions by the former occupant of the White House, as you so aptly dubbed him. And I want to know what your reaction is to what Shirley Chisholm communicated here and which of the qualities that she possessed that you really leaned on as you suffered through these moments. You know, it's just so true that oftentimes what you are enduring becomes a new blueprint and survival guide for those who come after you. And uh, it wasn't that long ago, I was organizing an indigenous uh, community around an environmental justice issue. And one of the elders there had challenged us to be better ancestors than we are descendants. Mm. And I think uh, that Sister Shirley really does embody that. So the indignities and the attacks that she endured and overcame, that has become the blueprint for my own survival guide. Right. I love how you referenced her as a petite phenom because many people did not even realize just how diminutive and petite she was. Right. Because she was so commanding and took up so much space unapologetically. But even her speech pattern and how she speaks, there's so many reasons why people would have been naysayers about uh, the trajectory and the impact that ultimately she has gone on to have. Right. And I appreciate you talking about your work with indigenous communities because Dr. Kerwood, in your forthcoming biography, you described how Shirley Chisholm's black feminist power politics extended well beyond her congressional district to include all black people in America, other excluded communities like indigenous people, Latino people, poor people, LGBTQ people, and more. What do you surmise led her to that inclusive approach to recognize and respond to their needs? I think it was living intersectionality. You know, in some ways, because of being a target, 
because she was getting it from at least two sides. And so she lived it and she's like, if I am dealing with all of these things coming at me, then my freedom means the freedom of everybody else. Right. And I, I think one of the other things around her identity that she did not shy away from is the response that she received from other black leaders, particularly black men, as she rose through the political ranks. And I want you to react to this clip about how she was perceived while running for Congress in 1968. I cried many nights because I was misinterpreted. She wanted to take things away from the black man. She's one that's going to divide the black men from the black women. All of this crazy stuff that was coming off the wall. But I didn't let it affect me that much because I understood our history. I understood why the men would feel this way. They would feel this way because actually they felt the time had come for black men. It was black men's turn. And nobody should get in the way, including black women. So not only does that clip communicate how Shirley Chisholm processed her own human response to that harmful treatment, but she stared it in the face and refused to back down multiple times, especially during her 1972 presidential run as well. So what's your reaction to hearing her in her own words respond that way? Well, I think she was very generous in her response because she understood the history and the conditions and the structural issues in terms of racism. And she understood the plight of black men and black women. And so she understood it, but yet she wasn't going to stand for it because she wasn't going to stand to be diminished herself as a human being. But that was the beauty of Shirley Chisholm. She really understood the context, but wasn't going to let that stop her from her fight for justice for everyone. This is the thing that she would talk about most in terms of the emotion she felt. She was pretty private. She didn't talk a lot about her personal life and was a little bit reluctant to, to be seen as, as human as she was, except when it came to these kinds of political slights because of her womanhood. and. This is the thing, she would say, you know, it's, it's not as fashionable now that even though she lived this intersectionality, she would say repeatedly over and over again, I have faced more problems because I'm a woman in politics than because I'm black, which is incredibly unpopular, especially in 1972 when the black men thought that their time had come. And she also talked about how it was just devastating to her because she felt misunderstood and other people other people didn't get. So it's striking how she's willing to talk about those emotions. Congresswoman? I look forward to purchasing the book and gifting it. Uh, and I love that you were offering the entirety of her, every dimension, including her humanity. Because I often say, you know, for us, as we do this work in centering the humanity and dignity of everyone else, that often ours is completely erased. Uh, is in particular as black women. Uh, one of my favorite images of her is laughing, uh, which she laughed easily, and you know she loved to dance, but laughing with her husband. So I'm, thank you for naming her humanity and for sharing that clip as much as it pains me to think about her having those, those moments of pain and being misunderstood from her brothers. I make it a point being aware of that to say, I'm here to do the work of black liberation and the liberation of all marginalized people. I cannot do that without the black man. And we do not need to be in a competition for, are you your brother or your sister's keeper? You know, this is not the oppression Olympics. 
there is no hierarchy of hurt here and we need each other. Well, yeah, I mean, that was amazing and it got my mind going. So I called the book Champion of Black Feminist Power Politics because of the way that she understood power, that she understood how power worked and that the kind of power that she was seeking on behalf of the people was not heteronormative, patriarchal, white supremacist power. That she understood that power had to be fundamentally reconfigured. And as far as a person who really got how power works in America, she was so clear-eyed. She could see from her vantage point how it all was set and what needed to change. And so when she saw these guys criticizing her for taking down the black man, she just thought it was irrelevant. got a lot more conversation for you to hear and we'll be right back after these ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best, and that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. 
Welcome back. You're listening to a candid and human conversation about the Honorable Shirley Chisholm with Representative Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, Representative Barbara Lee of California, and Dr. Anastasia Kerwood, author of the forthcoming biography, Shirley Chisholm, Champion of Black Feminist Power Politics. We also know that Shirley Chisholm had guts, and she attributed that to growing up in Barbados and spending some formative years there. So I want you to react to this clip on the other side. Those early years of my life on the island of Barbados gave me the spirit, gave to me the spunk that was necessary to challenge all of these age-old traditions. Yes. yes. I, and the thing, I was never afraid of anything. I was never afraid of anybody. And today's the same way. I'm not afraid of anything. So growing up there, core to her identity, core to her approach in politics, core to her backbone and standing up to any and every person who stood in front of her. But how else do you think her time in Barbados influenced how she moved as a black woman in the U.S. in the political sphere? Even though we were enslaved in the, in the Caribbean, you have majority black countries. And so you don't you're not in a minority status in the Caribbean, which gives you as a child a different orientation to being black in um, a country that is majority black. And I think that's what uh, impacted Shirley and so many people from the Caribbean now. By all accounts that I could find, she was fearless anyway. That was that was her. And what, the person she met in Barbados who helped foster that was her grandmother, who kind of encouraged her. Now that said, there is a long tradition of Caribbean people stepping into politics, especially in New York City, and that she had this string of mentors. She had Bertrand Baker, who preceded her in the New York State Assembly from Brooklyn. He was from Nevis. So like that tradition of Caribbean people coming to New York and being active in politics, that was very much alive. Um, I would just add that what I saw in her and I have seen with so many of my colleagues today who have those Caribbean roots is just a level of agency and excellence, knowing your ancestry and your heritage. And so I think we see that uh, play out in with, with Shirley Right. Representative Lee, as an extension of Shirley Chisholm's legacy, I would love your reaction to the news that Speaker Pelosi is not seeking a leadership position in the next Congress and Representative Hakeem Jeffries will become the next leader for House Democrats and thus the first black leader of a party in Congress. What's your reaction to this historic moment? Well, first, it's uh, in a lot of ways bittersweet. I've known Speaker Pelosi since 1984. She's a transformational mm. speaker, and she has shepherded transformational legislation. So it's uh, she's been remarkable. And yet here we have now the next soon-to-be leader, um, an African-American man from New York, who's from New York. who has part of Brooklyn. I mean, we visited Shirley Chisholm's home as guests of Hakeem Jeffries and Yvette Clark a few months ago yeah. in Brooklyn. So I'm excited about this new leadership and working with them very closely on this transition. Yeah. And I want to wrap up things on a fun note because it was no secret that two things Shirley Chisholm loved was delivering a good read when she needed to, but also she loved a good wig. It was part of her uniform. I appreciate how you outlined that in your book, Dr. Kerwood. 
and let's be real. No one has ever talked about that. Come on, let's let's talk about it. I I saw your episode of Hair Tells Representative Presley, and I want you to talk about this because the girlies today could not compete with Shirley Chisholm. So I want to know your reactions to that and other trademark quintessential Shirley Chisholm qualities that still stick with you today. Shirley Chisholm, the petite phenomenon, she was a bit of a clothes horse before she got to Congress. Right. But then, as you've read in the book, one of her, person who became sort of her chief of staff, uh, her executive assistant, helped introduce her to a wig shop, and she rocked those wigs for several years. It was like part of her uniform, too, it right? Absolutely like she was. had her dresses and her wigs ready yeah, to go. Absolutely. So she was a catalog shopper. And so anyone, especially her staffers who I interviewed, they'd go to her house and there would be like catalog boxes everywhere. It's constantly packages coming. Um, the dancing. So she would dance anywhere with anyone. And I've got I've got one picture in the book of her dancing like with the New York State Assembly, the, the leader. Um, she was always made up, always the right shoes and handbag. She just, her style was was distinctive and it is, it's who we remember today. If you look at any image of her and in her iconography and her as a symbol, like that kind of globe of a wig is, is what you think of. <laughs> yes, it did. Representative Presley. Well, recently I was at Howard University, actually in the Lewis Stokes building, like Congresswoman Chisholm, original founders of the Congressional Black Caucus, And um, we were there for a panel discussion on the Crown Act, which has passed the House, but we need to pass in the Senate. And um, one of the uh, students there said that they were majoring in political science with a minor in hair politics. And I had never even heard that this was something that you could. I love this. And I. I, Okay, we need this. Yes. And I want to know more about this, this class at Howard. And I wonder if it exists in other places. But speaking of ways with which to, to disrupt conventional norms, you know, everything about black women is political, including our hair. And, you know, certainly, you know, for me living with alopecia and choosing to not wear a wig, the point is like how we show up and the choices that we make, which all of her choices were very intentional, can be disruptive in and of itself. The fact that she didn't feel that she needed to dress somberly or conservatively. I remember as a early in my own public service career, I thought the only way I would be taken seriously is if I aged myself. So I'm Mm. wearing multiple strands of pearls and I I love a good pearl, but I believe that there was a uniform and that this was a way to sort of signal that I, I understand the rules. And so I feel that she disrupted that because she was dramatic from how she showed up to how she led, to how she governed. So, you know, I'm wearing this Catalyst for Change, Shirley Chisholm pin. I have numerous uh, paintings and portraits. Uh, My big sister in Congress, uh, Congresswoman Lee, gifted me, and you won't be able to see it here, but this is a photo. Shirley Chisholm is there with an incredible wig. Oh my God, I love that. And a cape. And my office, uh, my physical office, uh, was Shirley Chisholm's office. I don't know if you know that, Dr. Kerwood. So, um... You know, I am just uh, uh, grateful for her uh, in every single way, her legacy, uh, the mantle, uh, which we have all in our own way uh, sought to uh, pick up as academics, as journalists, um, as elected officials, to just show up in the world fully, authentically, 
unapologetically as ourselves. And that is one of my favorite quotes of her is that she just was a black woman who dared to be herself. That that was right. how she wanted to be remembered. Not as the first black woman elected to Congress, not as the first black woman to pursue the US presidency, but as a black woman who dared to be herself. I've got to say, I'm so grateful and so thankful for each of you phenomenal women for this beautiful conversation, how you're all stepping into the space that Shirley Chisholm created for us black women. Congresswoman Lee, Dr. Kerwood, Congresswoman Presley, thank you for joining What A Day and honoring Shirley Chisholm with me. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. What A Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Swing into Seaside Golf in Ocean City, Maryland. Play like a pro at 17 championship courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicholas and Arthur Hills. Tee off on sweeping vistas at Eagles Landing. Savor the coastal views of Lighthouse Sound. Or see why Ocean City Golf Club is considered one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all in on a golf getaway, fun is always in play at Ocean City, Maryland. Plan your trip at ococean.com. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC.